Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Andre Van Hall. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Backed by 40 years of a five-star leadership experience as an executive in the hospitality industry, Andre Van Hall presents a fresh and proven message to audiences, which is curiosity is the key to instigate change. As the curiosity instigator, he challenges business executives and teams to adopt an attitude of curiosity in order to be innovative, to experience breakthrough thinking, and to be on the forefront of change. In other words, to become a change leader. I hope you enjoy the conversation as Andre and I sit down and we talk about him being that curiosity instigator and how us as leaders can benefit by approaching our day being a little bit more curious. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Leadership Habit. This week, I am sitting down and talking to Andre Van Hall, who is known as the Curiosity Instigator. Andre, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Um, let the, the Crestcom community know a little bit more about you, who you are, what you do, and how you kind of came to be where you are today as the Curiosity Instigator. All right. Well, my great-grandfather was born. No, I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> but really, I, I, I am from Argentina and uh, I did my military service there and I fell in love with, uh, I was a waiter for the officers eventually and I loved it. And uh, so I got into the hospitality industry and I went to Germany and uh, I worked in a hotel there and then France, then came to the States to go to hotel school and I worked in hotels all over the United States. And uh, so I, I was managing some of truly the, the most exclusive hotels and some of the larger ones. And uh, but then in uh, 2011, I went suddenly blind and that was something that happened uh, within two weeks. And uh, then I lost my job and I had to reinvent myself. And uh, I, I just fell in love with the idea of being a professional speaker. And, uh, and I could speak on service, you know, service is something I know forwards, backwards and sideways. I've trained literally thousands of people on service, but it, 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 it didn't excite me. You know, it, 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 it was, it was so ingrained in me that it was, I wanted something new and different. And uh, I had gone through so much change in my life, you know, two marriages, uh, three continents, 12 cities, uh, and then going blind that I thought, um, I could speak about change. And, uh, you know, I took this something that's called the Colorado Speakers Academy. And I was going to speak on change. But there they told us that uh, you don't only need to have a destination. You don't only need to know what highway you're going to take. But within that highway, you need to pick a lane. And uh, so I thought and thought and did some research. And I saw that nobody links change to curiosity. You see, people go to change about the things that happen inside of your brain and, and getting to the scientific side of change. But to me, it is a change is something that's more emotional. It's something that's inside of you. And, uh, and I realized that uh, when I went blind, that, that I was pushing back and that uh, the people were trying to help me. And, uh, and I was not curious. I was not curious about transitioning into blindness. And uh, so I, I figured that, uh, that linking curiosity to change would be truly a fabulous lane to, to get on. And then I built my uh, business around speaking about change and curiosity. And then when um, I uh, built my website and I had to get business cards and, uh, 
you know, uh, my last title was CEO and uh, running a business. And it didn't turn me on. I mean, CEO was ho-hum and I wanted something completely different. And, uh, you know, so that when you give somebody your card, they go, what the heck is a curiosity? (laughs) (laughs) So that is my title. I am the curiosity instigator. And uh, so, and here I am now at age 67 and uh, loving what I do. You know, Andre, like I still have to recognize that we didn't even take the pause, right? You kind of skirted over the fact that you led a very successful career that took you to multiple continents. You hit that, you know, career destination of CEO is what many people aspire to do. That's how we know we've made it. And then you had to completely do a redirect after finding or after suddenly becoming blind. Yes. How, like... How did you even begin to pick yourself up, right? You said that you were initially not curious, which makes total sense because it, it, this was something that was completely unplanned. Like, how how did you even begin to start to center yourself around curiosity? Thank you. Thank you, Jen. And it's a very insightful question. And, you know, as I lay on the gurney, so so the day that I got diagnosed, I had gone to four different doctors, okay? I went from an optometrist to an ophthalmologist to a retina doctor to an optic nerve doctor. 9.15 at night, I was on a gurney at Luton Hospital, and uh, the diagnosis was in. I would be blind in two weeks. And I was scared. You know, you can imagine that uh, I was angry, and uh, and I was going down and down and down into a cesspool of toxic emotions and uh, of fear. And that is the thing is that our brain, when confronted with change, tries to compare it with something that it previously experienced. And and, and something like blindness, of course, is something I'd never experienced. And so then you don't know the way out. And uh, and the thing is that the very next day, one of the past presidents of the organization that I was the CEO of came to see me. This is Andre, I heard you're going to go blind. And uh, let's go and spend some money to buy some devices to help you transition into blindness. And I had not thought about transitioning into blindness. So when, when I do my talk and I challenge my audience and I say, so what is the, cha- the change that is happening in your life? We always have some kind of change happening. And I'm not talking about the happy change, right? That I got married, hallelujah, or I had a baby. Uh, I, I'm talking about difficult change. And uh, it, you think right away about transitioning. So, so your, your spouse says, we need to talk and uh, you, you're headed into divorce. And the, the first thought is anger and, and things like that. And you're not thinking about transitioning into single life. And, and for me, transitioning into blindness um, was something I pushed back. You know, I am an uh, avid, avid cyclist. I would do 5,000 miles a year on my bicycle. I commuted 16 miles to work each way. And uh, a friend of mine reached out and said, Andre, why don't you and I do the 100-mile elephant rock bike ride on a tandem? And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm an in charge kind of guy, you know, there's no way I'm going to get to the backseat of the bicycle. Okay. And you, you begin to realize that you can sit proudly at home on the couch, growing fat and lazy, <laughs> or you can give in and say, you know what? The backseat may not be so bad after all, but, um, in, in, in my Bible study group, just months before we had been talking about humility. You know, and the definition that I liked the best was the ability to accept help. And boy, was I not a humble man. I truly did not know how to accept help. So as 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 I 
realized slowly but surely over those two weeks, well, you may say rather quickly, uh, that I had to give up my bicycle. Then I, one day, <clears throat> I driving home and I passed a cyclist and I didn't see him until the very last minute, second. And I got home and sat on the driveway and had myself a good cry. And then I uh, grabbed the keys and I went inside and I gave my wife the keys and I said, don't ever let me drive again. And as you go through that transition of, of realizing all of the things that you're leaving behind, you know, I have a two and a half year old granddaughter who, who I've never seen now. Okay. I've never seen her face. Uh, so as you, as, as you're scared, right? You're scared as, as you start to face this monumental change. And, uh, but you realize also that there are people like my friend Tim, the one we get on the tandem, and my wife that is uh, trying to get friends to get me a guide dog, and uh, the people that are out there to train me how to use a cane, and that, uh, that there is this, this whole support system out there for you, that the people that love you, and, uh, and, and I was pushing back. So I had to become curious and uh, one slap at a time, okay, uh, to realize that I can't do it solo, you can't do it alone, that change, difficult change is something uh, that you need help, you need support, and uh, we are social animals. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, there are people, I talk in my, in my, when I do my talk, about Samporini and uh, the book Unbroken. I don't know. Have you read the book or seen the movie Unbroken? No, I have not. It's an awesome book. It's a good movie. And uh, he's a test pilot in World War II and crashes his plane in the outside of San Diego. And uh, he and his crew get on a life raft and then uh, end up the longest that any anybody has ever been on a raft and end up in the Pacific on an island occupied by the Japanese. And uh, he's prisoner of war for the entire war. And wow. this one guy makes it his mission to break Samparini. And, uh, and at the end of the war, he's unbroken. And I tell people there are times in our lives where it's good to be unbroken. But uh, that in most times, okay, we need to learn to be flexible and, uh, and to learn to do things differently and to give in uh, to our pride. So and show humility. And, uh, and that was what was so hard for me. Holy cow, Andre, I feel like there are so many <clears throat> insightful pieces that any leader could really stand to benefit from. First, our own humility, uh, just recognizing that we do need help that. And I think, you know, leaders have a tendency to put a lot of pressure on themselves that yes. they have to do it on their own. And you had to learn and you were that person too, right? Stubborn. You got it. Take control and having to learn to let go and recognize that we need help from others to be who we want to be, to achieve the outcomes that we want. And then also understanding that we have to slow down and acknowledge those moments. Like you had talked about how, you know, your final drive, how you, you know, were close call with the cyclist, but then when you got to your driveway that you gave yourself permission to just process it. And I think, again, leaders are so quick that we just don't slow down to process our own emotions and really give ourselves permission to feel that way. I mean, Andre, there's just so many nuggets. Like I, I, I love 
even starting with that and, and our interdependence and just the need for ourselves to give ourselves grace. I just, so many pieces of wisdom from that, but I can't even imagine how still difficult that would have been to eventually come over and go through that, that, that process. And Jen, and that's why I, I truly enjoy speaking in, in leadership conferences and to CEOs and, uh, and, uh, you know, I speak a lot in, a lot in associations and, uh, because, I, I, you have to learn as a leader. Okay. And that's why I, I send the curiosity instigator. And I, I, I tell, uh, in organizations, if somebody's going to hire me to speak in an organization, I tell them, I says, you realize I am going to challenge your people to challenge the status quo and to not accept what is, but to create what can be. And uh, so many times in organizations, we have SOPs, right? Standard operating procedures or, we have, uh, you know, a, a tradition or something, a, 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 a culture in the organization that has permeated it uh, for a long, long time. And, uh, and we don't realize that we operate within the, uh, the, the square of this organization. And an example is uh, when I was the uh, general manager of the Hyatt Regency in Louisville, Kentucky, my uh, catering managers came to see me and they said, you know, uh, the dress code of Hyatt is that we have to wear skirts dresses or and hose and we were want to wear pantsuits my wife had been wearing she was a national account manager she had been wearing pantsuits since the day that i met her and uh, so i thought we were in the stone age and i said absolutely you know let me call corporate and i'll have this changed and i called corporate and i hit the brick wall you know and uh, no it's not the image that we want to portray and and so many times it's uh, we're not curious about where is this headed? You know, we think about now, today, in today's world, this is the way it is. And they're not saying we need to be in the bleeding edge of change, but I need to, we need to be in the, in the uh, foresight side of change where we are, we're, we're seeing what is coming and anticipating and preparing for it. And to tell a catering team in, uh, when was I there in 1998 or whatever, that they could not wear pantsuits to me was absolutely ludicrous. And uh, so, it, it, uh, change is difficult and, yeah. we, and, we, and, and we resist it. And, and the safe answer is no. The safe answer is, you know what? If I want to change this, I have to go to the president of the company or I have to go to, uh, you know, call the committee and so, so forth to rewrite the, the handbook. And I don't want to rewrite the handbook right now. No, I'm not doing it. Okay. And, but what is that doing to the morale of your team? Hey. And that's just one silly example about how we push back on change. And so, so my shtick is reach down, walk around, talk to your team members and hear them out. And not only your team members, but your vendors, your suppliers, your clients, your past clients. Okay. And do management by wandering around so that uh, you, 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 you get that curiosity going where you show the people I'm curious about you. And I want you to be curious about our business and, uh, and how to help us propel change. Because in today's world, if you always do what you always did, you're out of business, right? Right. <laughs> so th that's why I have so much fun with it. I mean, Andre, I could, oh my gosh, I just love your story and your insight. And you also have just a great disposition as you talk about this. I'm so engaged. I'm sure our audience is too. I know we had talked about a few of the points that you think are really important for people to start to practice curiosity around change. And one of the points you had was, I believe, don't judge. Yes. And don't judge, assess instead. What? Tell us more about what that means. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, I am a fan of Pope Francis because not only is he from my hometown, but uh, he is trying to change a 2,000-year-old institution that is steep, steep in tradition, right? And uh, so Forbes magazine did an article on him and said, what would happen if we brought his 12 leadership principles into the boardroom? And I read them, but the, this one is the one that resonated with me. Don't judge, assess. Because I feel that within the church, we're so judgmental so many times about uh, sexual orientation, about divorce, about, I'm not going to get into the politics of church, but it's, it's judgmental. And uh, when, when I was told I was going to go blind, I was the first blind man I ever got to know well, right? <laughs> yeah. And I had no blind friends. And uh, so what did I do? I judged my potential as a blind man. And I know I'm exaggerating, but in, 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 in theory, I was thinking all I can do is sell pencils from a tin cup at the local mall, right? Instead of assessing and saying, so what is the potential of me as a blind man? And how, how can I be the best that I can be in spite of my blindness? So I'm not the blind guy that is Andre. I'm Andre that happens to be blind. Okay. So I don't want to be defined by blindness. And uh, so the, the, the thing is, I had to learn to accept the fact that being blind was not going to be a significant barrier. Now, wait, there there's are, a choice in there. That was a, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, like please. right there, that choice of being and saying, you know what, I can judge it, which is what I would have done in the past. And maybe applying those past narratives to yourself of what you would have assumed someone um, that was blind could be capable of because you just don't know. And right. you had to then make a choice to say, okay, I'm not going to apply that. Like that power of choices, that self-awareness, I think is really, that's the first thing that I think is actually a struggle for most people to grab onto and just say, wait, 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 wait. I get to choose. I get to choose. Yes. Yes, you do. You know, and it's, and it's interesting. And we, we had briefly discussed, but the, as I, as I lay on that gurney at the, at the hospital and uh, all of a sudden I had this absolutely silly thought and I, I thought of a really bad joke and I, I, I the nurse kept, so, so why are you laughing? And I, I, I said, well, I thought of a bad joke. I said, well, I'll, so I told her and she laughs. She said, oh my God, you got to tell my friends. So she goes and gets the other nurses. And then uh, the doctor wants to know why there's so much noise in the emergency room. Okay. And now we're telling jokes with the doctor. And I realized that while I was going blind by the moment, blinder, darker and darker, then my outlook had momentarily shifted from despair to going to the light, you know? And uh, so what, what I say is that when difficult change comes, okay, and our brain gets confronted with that change, it tries to compare it to previous things. And when it doesn't know how to do it, it just goes down to that cesspool of toxic emotions. And, uh, and the deeper and deeper you allow yourself to go into those that cesspool of, of fear and anger and, and despair and so, so forth, the harder it is to get out. And sometimes, sometimes it's good to just wallow in self-pity, right? I mean, you, we, we, yeah, we, we can't pretend that like things aren't, you know, that we don't love that or we don't have emotions about it. We have to give ourselves permission to grieve or experience that. Right. Right. But the thing is, I also did realize for the briefest of moments, okay, that there was a light out there, okay, and that was laughter. 
and that uh, I needed to give myself permission to laugh and uh, and and uh, to not take myself so seriously. And that is another thing that I talk about is we tend to take ourselves so, so seriously in our, 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 our difficult moments. We exaggerate what is happening to us, okay? Um, and instead, when you assess something, okay, so, so you have a partner, you have a child, a grandchild, you've got an employee, and they've showed some behavioral patterns, and we take those patterns to be something that we judge them on, okay? Based on this pattern, I believe you are this. But when we instead assess the employee, what is their potential? It's not, okay, they screwed up a couple of times, but, but do I see potential in this person? And how can I bring out the best in them? Okay. And I think that is part of change is, is to identify, you know, I don't know if you're an athlete, but I mean, if, if John Elway had chosen ballet, he might have been terrible at it, terrible at it. <laughs> right. And it, just because he's an athlete, it doesn't mean that he would be a great athlete at everything. Yeah. But in football, he excelled. And it's how do we help people find that? space where they excel and, and the problem is when we judge them we just put them down put them down and put them down and uh, keep lowering their self-esteem but instead when we assess them we start to see you know we judge people that are different than us and that is what i find is so difficult in today's world where we have become so so polarized okay in judgment you tell me you're of a political party and i judge you okay right. And, uh, and, and, and I judge you just because you told me that you're either red or blue, okay? Instead of assessing of who are you, okay? And, and what wonderful person are you? And, and, and you are not identified by the color that you choose to be a, a politician or, or support, okay? You're identified by the whole you, okay? And we need to be able to respect different points of view and, and not judge each other because of, you know, I'm an immigrant, okay? And uh, I've, I've never had a chip on my shoulder about being an immigrant. All the contrary. I am very proud to be an immigrant because I love, love, love this country. And I think it truly, I don't think it's one of the best in the world because many countries claim the same thing. But for a place to live, I don't want to live anywhere else. Okay. But we tend to judge immigrants. We tend to judge uh, people from other races and stuff like that. So anyway, off of my high horse, it's, <laughs> it's I think that uh, assessing is, is, is absolutely crucial and that we need to understand when we are judging uh, that we, we say, stop that. Okay. Start assessing instead. And uh, that's why. It, it really, in, in, in my book and in my uh, 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 talk, it's, it's a huge chunk of what I talk about is the difference in judging and assessing. So, Yeah, I think that most people really could benefit from just even applying that to one situation at work. Maybe a situation that you're particularly frustrated by or you don't know what to do. Maybe that's because there's finite judgments that need to be relaxed into curiosity. I, I love that. I think so many people can benefit from just slowing down and assessing instead of judging someone, limiting their possibilities or reducing their self-confidence and going on to the next person. And, uh, that's, and, and I think it ties into my curiosity theme, right? Because 
if you're judging, you're looking backwards. Okay. When you're assessing, you're looking forward. Yes. And to look forward, you need to get curious. And, and I use looking on purpose, you know, and uh, the, uh, the, the, the Dalai Lama said something very interesting about, said a lot of things that are very interesting. But uh, one of the quotes that I love, it says, when you're speaking, you're just repeating things you already know. When you're listening, you may learn something new. Okay. So when you're judging people, you're, you're judging them based on your speaking, on, on stuff that you already know, that you think you know about people of a certain kind. Okay. But when you're assessing, in a sense, you're listening, you, you're judge, you're, 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 you're allowing yourself to hear who they are to try to find out so you can assess their potential. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a lovely quote. I think that's a beautiful one. And we could stand to gain so much. Every person is your teacher and your student. If we just put on our, our listening, uh, the next piece that you, you know, you had talked about is that change is not the enemy, but how you handle it could yes. be. Yes. And uh, you know, it is, it's life is not what happens to you. Okay. It's how you choose to handle it. So we are, I, I truly believe that we are the result of our choices. Okay. We make choices throughout life, throughout our life. And, uh, and those are the, 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 the result of those choices is who we are today. And, uh, you know, I chose to volunteer to do my military service ahead of my age group so I could get it out of the way so I could leave the country to start my education. So that choice led me to uh, going to boot camp and then ending up being a waiter for the officers. Okay. And uh, when they asked for who knows how to cook and uh, in, in the military, you learn that you never raise your hand, but I chose to raise my <laughs> hand. And uh, so, and, and then I chose to go to Germany and then I chose to go to Paris. Right. So, it's, it's choices. And if I had chosen to stay in Argentina and my mom wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or uh, anything like that, anything but being a glorified waiter. And uh, so we are a result of our choices. And, and that is what I, I think makes us who we are today. Okay. And that's why it's important to understand that what happens to us, okay, is 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 going to happen okay so i i talk about environmental change and that is you know the the all of a sudden you grow older and uh you get sick or uh the the, the weather kills your crop okay so that that's 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 environmental change then there's purposeful change a purposeful change is the one you set out to do or somebody else set out to do to this to disrupt your business, okay? They they in, invent something better than you did, or they it's something the spouse tells you. Let's have the talk, okay? So, so that's purposeful change, and then this disruptive change, right? That is a change that is so great that it disrupts something. And I'm not talking about Henry Ford introducing the car, but of course that is disruptive. But I also talk about the in in the insignificant thing of our own lives that all of a sudden somebody says let's have the talk that could be a disruptive change so it is not what happens to you as a result of that disruptive change but how you choose to handle it so andre you're going to be blind in two weeks okay it's it's a diagnosis okay that happened to me and but is my blindness my enemy 
okay, I can't help blindness, okay, my, my optic nerve died, the connection between my eyes and my brain is gone, okay, there's a filament left that lets me see shapes and light, okay, and uh, so what do I gain by being angry at blindness, okay, but I do gain a lot, okay, by how I handle that change, and uh, so when you're told, I'm sorry, but you took COVID, we're going to lay you off. Okay. You are laid off. Start getting ang being angry about being laid off and start to think about how you're going to prosper and move on. What do you need to do today? Okay. To take care of your family right now. And that's why I think it is absolutely critical that we understand that what happens to us is not the enemy, but how we choose to handle it certainly is. So, so shift your thinking, you know, and then I like the story of the two women that are in the steam room, Ryan, right? And, and one says, you know, son of a gun, said, you know, my ex-husband just took half of my money on the divorce. And the other one says, wow, you are so lucky. So what do you mean I'm so lucky? She says, well, I invested all my money in the market. I lost half of it and still have my husband. So... <laughs> It's a matter of perspective, right? How do you look at it? Okay. It's a, oh, I, I, I lost half of my money. Okay. Because of my bastard husband or I lost half of my money in the market. And man, I'm still stuck with that bastard. Right. <laughs> so, so it, it is not what happens to you is how you choose to handle it. That makes a difference. So my, my take again is get curious about alternatives and start right away to, to seek how I'm going to handle it, what I'm going to do instead. I, I, uh, I was running the Adams Park Hotel in Denver, which is now the Sheraton downtown, big 1200 room hotel. We had a convention in the hotel. It was the uh, future business leaders of America, all high school kids. Oh, yeah. FBLA. I was F in that. FBLA. <laughs> and uh, so... Four kids to a room, a thousand rooms. Four thousand wow. kids wow. running around <laughs> crazy. And a fire alarm went off. Okay. So uh, they tell me, oh, the fire alarm went off on this floor. And I run up because, of course, the elevators all came down. So I run up to the 15th floor. And, oh, somebody pulled the fire alarm. So I've got another fire department. They're angry. And kids running all over the place. Everything is going crazy. So we reset it. Go back to my office fire alarm. Okay. And now they have an actual fire that somebody set in the maid closet. Okay. What? The sprinkler system puts it out. Okay. Yes. Smoke everywhere, water everywhere, fire department, arson department, running kids. Okay. Chaos. And I'm talking to the arson department. Fire alarm goes off. Okay. So run to another place. Okay. <laughs> somebody had pulled the fire alarm. And I, on, on running over, I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. These kids are managing you. You need to manage them. You need to stop running around. Let the professionals handle the actual pull box and fires, okay, that were happening. You need to manage the situation. So I went to my office and I called the head of the group and the chaperones. I called my security team. I, could, I, I had the fire department, the arson department, the police department. And we came up with a strategy, okay, of, of, of announcing through the speakers that everybody had to go to their rooms. They were stay in their rooms. We're going to put hall monitors, okay, whatever. And we stopped it. But the problem is, so I allowed that what was happening to me to manage me. 
instead of me stopping and saying, okay, what do I need to do? How, how am I going to stop this? And uh, how many times did it take for me to, to realize that I was handling this totally the wrong way by running to the fire instead of managing the situation, right? And uh, so to me, that was a, a very important lesson in my life and uh, to, to understand that uh, you cannot allow the situations to manage you. It is your responsibility to manage the situation. And the sooner that you stop and realize it. So when I went blind, I, uh, I, I, I was blessed with the, the fact that, A, that I am innately curious. Okay. And I literally went the very next day to the, uh, to, I, I called the company to say, okay, how am I going to use my computer as a blind man? And they told me, oh, you need to install window eyes or JAWS, okay, which is called screen readers, okay, software. And it was very complex. And, uh, and the, but my iPhone already had built in, the iPhone has built in things that reads everything to you. So I, I went to the Apple store and, uh, and they told me, oh, yes, every Apple product has a screen reader built in. Okay. Wow. So I went and I have a, so, okay, teach me how to, teach me how to use the, the Apple products. And for the next month, as I transitioned from sighted into blind, I, I learned how to use it. So now I am extremely adept at uh, handling all technology. I can listen to any book, okay, whatever. But it was thanks to the fact that people like, like this guy that came, that came and uh, uh, so one of my past presidents of the organization that I was running came and said, Andre, let's go and spend some of our money to buy your sifted devices so you can transition into blindness. And that word transition to blindness is not something I'd thought of. And as, as I started to go, as I, as I was in the store and they told me, okay, here's how you need to learn to use a cane. And I realized I needed to go to the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation to get a caseworker who's going to give me a trainer. And I'm going like, no way, I don't want a caseworker. That's the pride thing coming again, yeah. right? And uh, stop being so prideful. And there is an organization out there that's going to teach you how to do it. And you better get up and do it. So those are the sort of things that, that, that force me to realize that what happens to you is, is inconsequential. It's how you choose to handle it that is consequential. Absolutely. I, you know, that's so important because it just reminds us that we can be the victim forever for as long as we want. We can play the victim. Yes. But things, you know, I say this to the students that I teach on behalf of Crestcom, like if you're going to be the victim, you have to truly think about that situation. That might be when you are sick and you need to ask for help when you can't do it on your own. But many things are actually not worthy of being labeled as a victim where you are helpless and hopeless. It just requires that shift in your own mind. And I want to wrap up and close the podcast because we're, we're nearing our time. Is it okay with you if we go a little bit over? Oh, I, 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 okay. I, I, okay. I, I, I'm disappointed that it's great time. <laughs> no, because we can keep going. I just want to make sure. Um, you know, one of the things, change is inevitable. Personal growth is optional. Good. Then we'll yes. hit these last two points because I think I, I love this conversation and it's truly something that I, I don't think we slow down to yeah. even stop ourselves to remind ourselves that we can go from that 
passenger seat where we feel like we're just being controlled to that driver's seat and we can steer the car and choose where it's going. Um, but change is inevitable and personal growth is optional. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? That was one of the things that you shared. It's um, one of the things I want to go back for a moment is but oh, yeah. asking, asking for help is not part of the victim profile. Okay. And I think that asking for help is, is a sign of strength. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you're, you're, you're probably way too young to remember days before, uh, the, we, we Google maps and, uh, and, uh, you know, directions to places, but us guys, uh, are famous for not wanting to ask for direction. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yes. um, and, or read manuals. And, uh, so there's no weakness in asking for help, for asking for directions. And I believe that when you go to your team and you tell your team and you say, look, this is the situation. As a matter of fact, there's something that's called intellectual humility. And uh, Laszlo Bach, who is the, 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 the vice president of HR at uh, Google, he looks for intellectual humility in his candidates. And intellectual humility is when you acknowledge that you don't know something, okay? Oh. Because there's three areas of knowledge, right? You know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know, okay? And those last two are the biggest, biggest area of knowledge. And uh, so what he looks for is that, okay, here's a scenario, madam candidate, okay? And how would you handle it? And if the, if the person immediately says, oh, I would do this and I would do that, and it's, it, it, they're fudging it, okay? They, he doesn't want that person. He wants the person that says, wow, that, 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 that would be challenging. And, but, you know, I would go to the legal department or I would go to this department or I would form a group. Okay. Or I would Google it, whatever. Right. So, so I think that intellectual humility and in asking for help, I encourage people to see that it, it shows strength. Um, it's, it's, a, so my children say that one of the, the, the most memorable moments of their lives was when I asked them, to help me with something, okay, rather than the other way around. And uh, so, at any rate, so what was the question you just asked? Wait, uh, I, mean, uh, I just, yeah, no, I'll ask it again. But it, intellectual humility, I've never actually heard that concept before. And what a beautiful way to, you know, use that to determine how you can work with someone or even hiring someone or just recognizing that within ourselves that it's a, you know, a really strong sign of our own character if we have intellectual humility. I, I just love that. And, and realize our our limitations, right? I can't yeah. do this. And, you know, it's also interesting. So so there are blind people, disabled people, people that are differently able that, you know, say, I don't want to be treated any different. All right. I, I am no different from you. I just happen to be blind. And, uh, but I am a little bit different than that, you know, and if Southwest says, you know, uh, you can pre-board the plane with your dog so that I can have the bulkhead seat so that I can go there and comfortably put my luggage away, knowing that I'm not holding up anybody of your, I'm going to take advantage of it. You know? Right. And uh, so, so to me, that is not a sign of weakness. Okay. Is, is to take advantage of things that exist out there to make our lives a little bit easier. And I embrace those things. And to me, it's not a sign of weakness. So I'm, Understanding your limitations, I think it's important. Yeah, and it, I, that's very powerful. It gives us we can give ourselves permission, you yes. know, to be able to embrace the the help or ask for more or just learn to be able to be, 
you don't have to put the pressure on yourself to be everything to everyone, know everything all the time. That's a beautiful gift. Okay. So change is inevitable. Yes. Personal growth, optional. It's optional. It goes hand in hand to what we were discussing earlier, yeah. right? And the change is going to happen. Okay. Are you going to grow from it or are you going to retract from it? And uh, so it's your choice. And uh, it's, it's interesting. A, a, a friend of mine uh, works for a huge construction company and they were building the Mall of the Americas oh, yes. in uh, Minneapolis. And they had a, a, a very novel way of doing the roof for the center gondola, uh, the center, center Someone area. Okay. And uh, the, uh, had to build the roof on the ground and then to raise the roof to put it where it needed to be. And the foreman is there, you know, with his uh, cigar watching this roof going up and my friend who, who was an executive in the company and they're standing there full of trepidation of this first time. And he told us, my goodness, how things are changing. And he says, son, let me tell you, change is inevitable, but personal growth is optional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's where it came from. And I, and, and I loved it because uh, are you going to get stuck in the past, okay, because of change, or are you going to choose to learn from the situation, enrich yourself, and then move on? Right, which probably brings us to your final point. So, thinking about how you feel, or so you feel things around you need to change, but have you considered that the one that needs to change <laughs> is you? I think that's probably. The most difficult one for many, and myself included, right? I'm a human, to recognize where am I in this equation? How do I need to adjust? Yes. Um, why do you think people struggle with that? Why do we? Th why do we struggle with recognizing that we might be the one that needs to change? You know what? Because we got to where we are because of us. Okay, so we believe in us, and in uh, the higher we get in our organization, the more we believe that it's us, okay, that it, that, that it is because of my strength, because of who I am, because of my vision, because of my power, I got to where I am. And, uh, and therefore, I can't show intellectual humility. And that's why I have to always have the answers. I, I was in school, as I said, I was raised in Argentina, and I went to a British all-boy boarding school. Okay, so okay, in your in your mind is oh, he was in a school of magic. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> it was not a school of magic for me. It was a school of misery because our our, our sports were rugby, soccer, and uh, and cricket, and I sucked at all. Okay, and I was a nerd. I was I was that kid, right? The one in front of the classroom, raise the hand. My uniform was always impeccable. Okay, so so forth, and I was brutally. I mean, I mean, violently uh, bullied. And uh, so one day I went to my father and says, dad, you've got to change my school. And he says, look, I can change your school, but the baggage that makes up who you are is going to go with you to the next school. And for the same reasons that they pick on you on this school, they're going to pick on you on that school. The one who needs to change is you. And I was angry. Oh, I, I hated him. And, 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 uh, and I did not understand the message. And he died shortly afterwards, and I never got to thank him for it because it was years later that I finally understood, okay, that sometimes the one who changes you, and you say, okay, Andre, so what do you change? Okay, what can you change? Well, I am an athlete today. 
okay, I, I'm an avid cyclist, an avid skier. I, I was a, a fanatic windsurfer. And uh, uh, I, I also could have, you know, the, 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 the tie had, because we, as you saw, I mean, the, our uniforms, we, we had ties and, and blazers, okay, whatever. And, and I would, you know, the, the cool kids would not have the tie all the way to the top and their hair might be just a little bit longer than regulation and just pushing the limits. Okay. But also to be cool, the kids would go out and sneak and smoke. And I never smoked in my life. And there's things that you never give in on. Okay. Semperini and I'm broken. There's some things that you draw a line on. You say, I'm not going to cross this line, but there are other things that you need to understand that. You blame everything around you. Okay, you blame your, your blindness. You blame you blame you get your boss for you getting fired, or you blame your your neighbor for having better fertilizer and having greener grass. Okay, and uh, instead of understanding, you are the one who needs to say, neighbor, how you how you make your grass greener? What can I learn from you? You know, instead of and you know, my motto is, if the grass is greener on the other side of the lawn, <laughs> let him mow it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I so, love that. So, you know, it is be open to the idea. Um, you know, when I lost my job, I could blame the world for me losing my job after I went blind. Okay. But do I realize that sometimes the one who needs to change is you? And uh, it's, it's, did I lose my job because of other people? Or am I responsible? I, I was once divorced. I'm now married for 33 years, but was, and I could tell you horror stories about my ex. Okay. But it does take two to tango, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we have to accept the responsibility for the things that uh, happen around us in our lives. And, uh, and when we do that, we, we begin to understand that we are responsible for, for, I, me, and myself, <laughs> all three of us. <laughs> okay. And uh, so open yourself up to, to do introspection and, uh, and to understand that uh, blindness has changed who I am to a certain degree. And I am the one who needs to now adapt to a completely new reality. And, uh, but if I'm going to succeed or not, it's up to me. So I love this. You, you know what the 10 most powerful two-letter words in the English language are? No. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. The 10 most powerful two-letter words in the English language are, if it is to be, it is up to me. There are 10 words. They're each two, two letters. And when you put them together, they pack so much power. If it is to be, it is up to me. Okay. So it's up to me to decide whether I'm going to, continue to feel sorry for myself or pull myself up by my bootstraps and say, I need to handle this. If I have a fight with my wife, is it, am I going to say, okay, it's up to her to apologize. I'm not going to do anything about this. Okay. I'm not wrong. I was right in this argument. Or are you willing to say, if it is to be, it is up to me. And if we all think that way, if we all willing to take responsibility. So if, if my wife and I say, okay, taking out the garbage is a 50-50 responsibility, okay? So then this is her 50, this is my 50, and we barely touch. But if we say taking out the trash is the responsibility of the one who sees that the garbage bin is full. 
And uh, now we have 100% overlap, right? What, it's, it's either me or you, but we, we're going to do it without fighting. And if it is to be, it is up to me to decide, yeah, it's time to take out the garbage. And when you start to have that kind of relationship, you come out from a lot more strength than where it's, I barely meet, I barely touch because I think, oh, I did it today. So to, to it, now it's your turn. So that's why I, 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 I think it is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And what a powerful way to even close to our listeners, really just, you know, thinking how could you benefit if you thought if it is to be, it is up to me. Right. Andre, how can people get in touch with you? How can, because I know that you work with organizations, you do keynotes. I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about curiosity, change, embracing it in 2020 and 2021, I'm sure too, is still bringing a tremendous amount of change that we haven't seen before. How can people connect with you? Thank you very much for asking that question. And uh, I, I, I am Andre Van Hall and Van Hall is V-A-N space H-A-L-L. But my website is andrevanhall.com, okay? And uh, in, in there, my book is there, okay? My book is on Amazon, okay? The, cur- the Curiosity of Change. And, uh, but uh, through my website is probably the easiest way. And, or otherwise, my, my, my email is andre at andrevanhall.com. And uh, I love hearing from people. And uh, people call me and say, hey, my, my, my grandfather is going blind and he doesn't know how to handle technology. He's having a hard time. I gladly call your grandfather and have a chat with him and see if there's any way that I can help him. Okay. And uh, so reach out. I'd love to chat with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Andre, for sharing your time, your experience, and your vulnerability to help um, our leaders listening, you know, look at life a little bit differently today to practice that curiosity. I greatly appreciate it. Well, I truly enjoyed being with you and uh, you're a great interviewer. Thank you. And also thank you to the magicians behind the curtain. I forgot their names. (laughs) Emily and Christian, (laughs) we can give them a public shout out. (laughs) Yes. So thanks for including me. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope you leave this feeling inspired and empowered that you can go out and truly be curious in your life. And that curiosity can open up new possibilities and choices for you to succeed, to develop others and many other things. If you want to connect with Andre or if you want him to speak to your organization about change, he does many keynotes. He works with a lot of organizations and you can connect with him at his website, Andre Van Hall.com. And as he said, don't hesitate to reach out even if you have questions about anything. He would love the conversation. And if you enjoyed this week's episode of The Leadership Habit, please share it with your friends. Share it with someone that you know could benefit from hearing that message. And of course, leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service.